For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Amen. Open your Bible with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse number 1 is where we begin today. And in this passage, it's about the oppression of the poor by the rich. And it's mainly written to the rich unbelievers that have oppressed the poor. But see, the believers will be the one reading this. And so it's going to be great encouragement for the believers that have been oppressed or neglected or treated or trodden upon. And so we're here to look at that today. James chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. What you notice, he says, ye rich men weep and howl. It doesn't mean they're, they're weeping and howling and crying right now, but he does say miseries that will come upon you. Those miseries which they're about to experience is because soon they're going to meet God. Soon they're going to stand before God. Soon they will be judged by their life. Then they would be filled with shame and remorse for what they have done, for being unfaithful stewards, um, they would wail and cry and lament over the opportunities they had missed to help others. They, they would really mourn over their own selfishness and their un—you know—their unfair practices and their unfair and their wrongful lifestyle will be exposed when they stand before God and they will have true shame and regret when all of their sin is brought into the light. They will see the sin of seeking security in material things rather than in the Lord. And careful Christian, you can do the same exact thing because listen to me, all the money in the world all the houses and cars and jewelry and nice clothes and shoes and fancy restaurants can bring you absolutely nothing. It can be gone in a moment. We are not promised tomorrow. But when you put your faith and your security in the Lord, the Lord will not fail you. Amen? So James is going to mention four, four sins in this passage. And the first one is about the hoarding of wealth. Verse number two. James chapter 5, verse number 2. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. You know, let's clarify something here. The Bible never says it's a sin to be rich. It is not a sin 
to be rich. There are some very wealthy businessmen to this day that are, I believe, are right with God and doing the work of God. And as of right now, the biggest one I can think of is, is Hobby Lobby. Uh, the founder, he gives half, half, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar company, half of their earnings to other ministries. Amen? I believe their heart is in the right places. But here in this verse, he says, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your, your riches and goods are, are ruined. You know, when you hoard clothes and they get moth-eaten, that's not because they've been you being used every day. That's because you've had so much hanging in the closet that you haven't worn in forever, and the moths have gotten to it. And your gold and silver is tarnished. It's, it's turned colors. You've got so much of it, it's piled up, you've not used it. Because when you're rubbing coins in your hands every day, they're, they're not going to tarnish much. You might inherit a fortune overnight. Or have an honest business. And that's not wrong in the eyes of God. That's not a sin in the eyes of God. Hard work and earning money is not a sin in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, God, I believe, has put his hand on that and give you the strength and ability to get out there and earn a living. And the Bible even says for a man that won't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. And there's nothing sorrier to me than a man that won't provide for his family he's too sorry to get up and go to work that is that is low of the low i do believe but god says it's not a sin to be rich but how do you get those riches the bible does teach that it's wrong to hoard riches have you ever seen the show hoarders and people hoard so much junk they never throw anything away there's trash and filth all in the house and in the yard you see, a rich person's heart can look just like that. They may have everything on the outside, the finest cars, the finest homes, and the finest clothes, but in their heart, it's full of junk, nastiness, and a big mess because they've hoarded up these things. Just like on the episode of The Hoarders, it's filth, but instead of being on the outside, it's on the inside, and that's what God cares about. He cares about the heart. What you are externally to him really doesn't matter what color you are, how much money you have. He cares about your heart. The Lord Jesus expressly forbade the hoarding of wealth. Listen, listen to what he says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, when you lay up treasures in heaven, when you're rich toward God, that's not going to rust. Nobody can sneak in and steal that. It's not going to be corrupted or moth-eaten. No. It is real and true treasure. Amen? Why? Because those things are a treasure in the eyes of God. And that is what we should put our value on also. Because see, the things that God values has eternal value. When a soul is saved, it is saved for all eternity. And God puts much value on that. Amen? Amen? Enough that he sent his son to die on the cross 
to save a sorry sinner like me. That's how much value God puts on those kind of eternal riches. So James speaks of wealth in four forms, riches, garments, gold, silver. You know, in Bible times, many times people were wealthy. They, it's because they had a lot of animals and ox and grain and oil, but also clothing and gold and silver. But you know, if they hoarded up too much grain and too much oil, it would become worm-eaten and rancid and worthless and no good instead of giving it away to people that were starving that could actually use it and eat it. So the point is that these things have been hoarded to the point where they're spoiled. They could have been used at one time to feed the hungry, but now they're absolutely worthless. And your garments are, are moth-eaten. That doesn't happen when you're wearing them on a regular basis. But it does happen when you've hoarded up so much stuff that you never use it. And I think us here in America are so guilty of that. Almost all homes are built with giant walk-in closets now. And I'm preaching to myself here. And we hoard up things and hoard up things. And then you're not wearing a shirt. If you've not worn a shirt for a year, I dare say you might have been hoarding something. Uh, and I'm guilty of that. Amen. And so I am convicted by reading this message, by reading this Bible passage. Let's look at our next verse. James chapter 5 and verse number 3. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Instead of putting their money to work to, to feed the poor, to clothe the destitute, provide medicine for the sick, and most importantly of all, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, the rich here are hoarding their money. The Bible says corrosion and decay will be the condemning testimony against the rich. If this was true in Bible times, let me ask you today, Christian, how much more true is it of today and today's believers? How bad will judgment be if we had not spent the financial means that God has given us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved our soul and we failed to use what God has given us? I ask you, Christian, what will judgment day be like for you on that day? Will he consider you a faithful steward of what he has provided for you and i understand you may have a degree you may have a big job title you may have your own practice you may have your own business you may have you may just be a a, a simple laborer or a drywall hanger it doesn't matter god cares about what you do with those finances you see that's where tithing comes in it's not that god needs your money that's so that it keeps our heart right amen and listen you can't outgive god the more that you give the more that god's going to give you so if we have hoarded material things when they might have been used for the salvation of souls, let me ask you, Christian, I ask you, what is the price of a soul? What is the price of a soul? Because God sent his only son to die on the cross. That was the price of a soul for him. So what is the price of a soul for you? How much are you willing to give? to further the kingdom of God, to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even if you don't have a dollar to give, you have time, you have a voice, amen, you can reach out to others, and that is giving 
also. And one of the, the hardest things for people to give or for me to give is my time. It's easy to put a little bit of money in the plate. It's easy to go buy somebody a meal, but it's much harder for me to take time out for someone because life gets so busy. But giving of your time is giving to God. Amen. And so the expression here, their corrosion will eat flesh, eat flesh. Isn't that a peculiar statement? But it's like fire it means that their failure to use their good riches is going to eat them up in the end. It's going to burn them. There's going to be a lot of suffering and remorse. It's going to scorch them and scald them. The thought of what they could have done with the riches and the finances and the money that God had given them, but yet they gave nothing back that their eyes would at last be opened at the judgment seat when they stand before god of their selfishness and their greed of all their costly jewelry and and elegant clothing and big homes and fancy cars all that will be a scalding scorching testimony against them and their life let's look at our next verse james chapter 5 and verse number 4 Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. So the second sin here James attacks is how you get your wealth. The failure to pay proper wages. The laborers who worked in the fields, they were deprived of their rightful pay and honest day's wages. Though the workers might protest, they couldn't actually make a change. They could say this is wrong, but they couldn't actually do anything about it. But the God who commands the armies of heaven is strong, very strong on the behalf of the earth's poor and helpless. The Bible condemns not only the hoarding of wealth, but how you get that wealth by dishonest means. James could have also mentioned a lot of things that goes on today. Uh, falsely doing your income taxes, cheating on weights and scales and measures, uh, bribing local inspectors or officials. How about false advertising? All those are dishonest in the eyes of God, and all those are ways that you can acquire wealth in a wrongful, sinful manner. Verse number five. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. James rebukes, he rebukes those living luxurious, living in, in, in rich, luxurious living with all the expensive food and, and clothes and extravagant homes and they squander their wealth on things that, that really doesn't mean anything. But let me tell you what we do today. We say, well, I only make 25000 a year. I don't have that much. And the next person will say, well, I only make 50000 a year. I really don't have that much. And the next guy will say, well, you know, I'm not rich compared to the other guys. I only make $150,000 a year. And so we compare ourselves to others to justify ourselves that I really don't have that, that much. Not compared to that guy. Can I just say that's nowhere in Scripture Nowhere in Scripture, the only person we're supposed to compare ourselves to is the Lord Jesus Christ. But our human flesh side of us wants to compare toward other people. Well, they have so much more 
than I do. Well, when you stand before God and you give a, uh, an account for your life, or if you're at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to compare you to your neighbor or the guy down the street. No, he's going to hold you accountable for what you had and for what you did what, with what God has given you. And so can I just say it is wise for you to live and make your decisions in the light of knowing that. And so let's bring it to our day. How, how can we justify the influence and extravagance of the church and even of the Christian people? And as I said, I'm even preaching to my own self here. Can I just say, let me put some statistics out there so you understand. If you live here in America, you are rich and blessed beyond measure compared to the world's population. 71% uh, of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. Most people spend almost that amount on their coffee in the morning at a fancy coffee shop. But yet 71% of the world's population is living on less than $10 a day. The World Bank defined extreme poverty as people living on a dollar or less a day. A dollar or less a day. And there's about 1.89 billion people or nearly 36% 36 of the world's population live in extreme poverty on less than a dollar a day. So let's let's flip over to America, not just the world, but just here in America. You know the top 1% of Americans have about 16 times more wealth than the bottom 50%. What that means is if somebody at the bottom makes $16, the 1% the wealthy make 160, or if you make 160, they make 1600. Wow, what a gap. What a gap. They have so much. But even you, if you make 25000 50000 150000 you have so much compared to the majority of the world. You are rich in their eyes. And we live in a world today where thousands are, are dying daily of starvation. And to the best of my statistics that I could find... It, it says about half the world's population have not heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here comes that question. What about the guy in Africa that's never seen a Bible, don't know how to read, never met a preacher, never heard of God? Well, the Bible clearly gives an answer for that question in Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The Bible says if they never read the Bible, if they've never heard a preacher, they are still without excuse when they stand before God because creation itself cries out that there's an eternal power and a Godhead and that they will give an account to Him for their life. So there is no excuse for anyone, in other words. Let me ask you this, Christian. How can we spend the Lord's money in, in expensive hotels and high-class restaurants and self-indulgence and expensive shoes and all kinds of meaningless things like that when the clear teaching of the Scripture says, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, those things mean nothing. Now, that doesn't mean, hold on, let's stop, let's clarify. That doesn't mean that you have to go live and squander. I, I'm not stating that at all. But God cares about in your heart the decisions that you make with what you have 
Amen. That's what God cares about. It's not my job to judge anyone or where they're at or what they're doing. I'm simply teaching what the Bible says and what you do with those finances. What you do with what God has given you is in between you and God. You will have to give an account for it. Not anyone else on the planet. It will be you that stands before God and gives an account for what you did with that. And those that are rich and they hoard up riches and they do all these things. If you notice the end of that verse, it said, as in a day of slaughter. And you know, that makes me think of a fatted calf or a fatted animal. They, they put them in a little pen and they feed them and they gorge them with all this stuff to, to uh, make them grow fat right before they slaughter them. And it makes me think, of a rich person living in luxury, gorging all that they can, and it's going to be right before the slaughter, right before they have to stand before God and give an account for what they did. And those things the Bible was saying will be a testimony against them. It will actually condemn them. Verse number six, Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now, this is not talking about the Lord Jesus Christ where it says kill the just. No, the Lord Jesus Christ, his death was, was brought about by the religious leaders of that day. The just here probably represents the innocent people in general. The rich here may have not have killed them with their physical hands. They may not have used their hands to wrap their hands around their throat or, or, or do something physical to harm them. Not directly, but by overworking and underpaying them, working them slapped to death, and starving them slapped to death. And the innocent, they have no resistance for that. They could protest, but that if they protest, they could very well be gotten rid of, got fired, run off, or further brutality. Why? Because they don't have much power. But the person with all the finances has all the power. Verse number seven. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. James turns to believers who are being oppressed, and he encourages them, hey, to be patient. And listen, the motive for patience is we know the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ draweth nigh. Amen. That can bring us patience. That should encourage you. As the farmer illustrates, in patience, he doesn't reap the same day he puts the seeds in the ground. He does a lot of work even before he puts the seeds in the ground. He plows and weeds and removes stumps and works hard and makes rows, and then he plants uh, seeds in the ground. He has to wait for the rain, and he has to be patient as those things grow and, and grab roots before they come out of the ground. And the same is with us in our Christian life. As you're, you're moving forth in life and you're doing what's right and you're giving and you're tithing and you're spreading the gospel, you're probably not going to see uh, fruit on the very first day or the very first year. You may have to plant seeds for a long time, but I promise you, you keep planting seeds and God will show you some fruit in your life. You must be patient and patient in suffering also. Who wants to suffer? None of us. But thank God the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for our sins. And I ask you today, if you're not saved, 
Hey, today is the day of salvation. Simply realize you're a sinner, repent of your sins, and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.